Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher, addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship. I'm your co-host, Dallas Montague. Thanks for joining us again today. And if you guys have not subscribed to the podcast yet, subscribe be a part of the the family of Faith and Family Fellowship. And we're on all streaming platforms. If you haven't had a chance, subscribe to us on YouTube, subscribe to us on the podcast, on the iPhone, Spotify, Amazon Prime, Apple Music, every platform available. It's a beautiful day here in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And here in the studio today, we have a special guest, Jack Noisette. And before we begin this podcast, today's title is Five Faith-Filled Keys to Maintaining Happiness in Parenting. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Tired of no one seeing your Instagram posts? Have a product or service that's not getting the online attention it deserves? Ready to level up? At Busher's Social Media Marketing, we have just what you or your business have been looking for. Our team of dedicated professionals are ready to help you grow and engage your audience. No spam, no bots, just good old-fashioned quality social media marketing. Visit Busher'sSMM.com today. Ready to jumpstart your career? Want an adventure of a lifetime? Uncle Sam's International is looking for language teachers who are highly motivated and have what it takes to grow and expand their thriving ESL school in Brazil. We need teachers for English, Spanish, Italian, and more. Visit Uncle Sam's International on Facebook today. Now, before we begin, I'm going to pray us in and then we can get started, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for the platform, just the opportunity to be a part of this ministry. And I just pray for every word that comes out of our mouth today to be anointed, to go into the hearts of our listeners, to go into the ears of our listeners. And I just pray that you go before us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So for the next five to 10 minutes, would you just share your Christian testimony with us? Sure. Um, not a problem. Thank you, Dallas, uh, for having me on this podcast show. I really do appreciate it. Um, I always see it as an honor to be amongst believers and to share my testimony as well. Um, <clears throat> I, um, I was a, you know, wasn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, first and foremost. I was a, I was a, in a household where faith wasn't really apparent. My parents were like, uh, were more Catholic, but only on holidays. And there was very few holidays we would attend church. So I had no root or foundation in faith um, and belief in, in Jesus um, for much of my, my young life. Um, so when I was 18, I had a friend of mine who was a, who's a pastor now, Pastor Ernst Kochi, a great guy. Um, he 
we were best friends all throughout middle school, high school, and he he was a, a preacher's kid. His father was a pastor, and um, we, he started talking more about his faith, and um, a group of other friends of mine also started talking more about their faith, and it intrigued me. Um, it interested me. Um, growing up in New York, um, I was going to school in Brooklyn. A lot of the a lot of the guys, especially a lot of young black males. Um, in the high school I was going to, were exposed to different doctrines. It comes to Islam when it comes to something called five percent nation. Comes to Hebrew Israelites. So I was really um, enamored by all these different faiths. But um, I, God captured my heart and helped me understand that the sacrifice of Jesus and His demonstration of love was for me. And that language of love spoke to me in such a deep way. So um, I, I uh, answered the call and I, I gave my life to Christ when I was about 18 years old. And as soon as I came to faith, I was out there um, telling all my friends about Jesus. Um, I, when I first got, I was a freshman in college. Um, everyone I met, I was like, hey, how's it going? My name is Jacques, do you know Jesus? And it was, um, I, was on, I was on fire. And I, because I didn't know what backsliding was, I didn't know what it meant to be a carnal Christian. Because everyone I was around was was just as as far as as I was, and um, I just felt like whatever scripture said, I just had to do. And um, I was I enjoyed my life. It was a lot of people got saved, a lot of people were prayed for um, during during that time that period. And I got into ministry. I was ordained when I was 25 years old, and um, you know led Bible studies, uh, preached here and there, um, and been in ministry ever since. Um, so just been, been loving faith and um, found my, my wife when I was in college as well. I saw her reading her Bible and we had a great conversation and then began courting and then we got married. So a, a lot of things changed for me once I gave my life to Christ. I knew who I was. I wasn't trying to be someone else. I was comfortable in my identity in Christ. I was comfortable in my faith, and um, it, I just never turned back. You know, my my parents weren't so happy about that when I first got saved. They uh, they they thought I was a fanatic. I was radical. I lost my mind. Um, I would have mm. my friends would give me Bibles, and they would like smuggle it in my book bag. My parents would find them and throw them out. You know, they were not happy. That I was reading it, they thought it would make me go um, crazy for some reason. So I had to really grow without any type of acceptance from parents or siblings. Um, and I was the youngest in my family, but thank God I stood fast because uh, soon after that, my sister got saved and um, um, and I was able to be more of a light to my cousins and things of that nature. Yeah. I do have a question for our listeners. You said you and your wife began courting. That's not a common phrase used today in 21st century. Like what, what is courting? Um, good question. I think, you know, in, in usually the common phrase is dating. And the reason why I don't use the word dating is because um, we had a, a focus that we weren't just going to be involved and, not focus on the, the end of it all. We looked at the end from the beginning and saw that I'm I'm with you because I see a potential life mate and a wife um, in you. And she saw the same in me. So because of that, we were able to uh, enter courtship 
And we knew that what that meant, it wasn't just, hey, we're going to see how things go. It was like we have a strong friendship. We have a strong attraction. Um, I think it's time that we just kind of make a commitment and take it to the next level up until we get into being husband and wife. So that, that was our perspective and our outlook on it. And um, I'm happy that we made that decision. Yeah. Like dating with the intent of marriage. Yeah. Right. So if you, if you guys have never heard of that term courting before, thank you for explaining that. Yes. Happy to. Yeah. And moving forward from, from all those times and from today. So what keeps you in the faith today? What keeps your fire burning? What keeps you encouraged to follow Jesus today? You know, I, I always tell people, you know, reading and, uh, and believing is good, but faith without works is dead. And to really keep your faith on fire and active, you have to actively um, execute and implement what the word of God says. So I think by me, you know, still serving, still ministering, it keeps the flame burning. You know, I'm not just sitting down and I never was one to do that. I, as soon as I, I gave my life to Christ, I said, okay, can I be an usher? I was, uh, I was immediately drawn to serving because uh, I knew that Jesus himself didn't come to be served, but to serve. And, and that's something that was in me from the beginning. You know, I, I was not a great singer, <laughs> but I love to worship. And my pastor says, you know what? Why don't you lead worship? And this is like, we're in a basement church. And I was like, I'll do that too. You know, whatever it was, I'm going to do that. If I'm going to lead Bible study, I'm 19 years old, leading Bible study with people who are 40 and above, I'm going to do it. You know, I just felt like, um, you know, the Bible says that um, there's yes and amen to his promises. I was just saying yes and amen to any opportunity to serve. And um, I, I'm, I'm happy that I did that because it just kept my faith walk that more active and that more real, you know, because when you're actually living out the word, you, you see the transformation not only in other people's lives, but yours as well. So it was a great way to keep that that fire burning was just acting on his word consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And you are, you're an author as well. Yes. And so you have written three books, right? Three books. Right. I've written three books. Um, <clears throat> I've recently um, been releasing and really pushing this book called The Happy Parent, which is, um, as we said earlier in, in, in the, the podcast, that is basically helping parents to through their, their journey and just helping them to enjoy that process and that, and, and, and that path of parenting. Um, so I have some principles and strategies that has blessed my life and I hope will bless others. But I also have a book um, that I wrote. It's a children's book, two children's books. One is uh, Jesus, My Friend. And I really do love that book because it just, I always felt, I would say, I, was, I would uh, put my kids to bed at night and I would read them Bible passages. And they would ask me about Jesus, like, how real is he? Um, is he right here? And I would say, yeah, he's right here. And like, no, he's not. He's not here in the room with us. So I felt like I needed this to be a real thing for them, that that he's present everywhere, that he's not just there on Sunday mornings. He's not just there when you pray. He's there when you wake up. So that book kind of shows an, a figure, a character, Jesus, with a young girl named Malika, and she is um, going throughout the day. And Jesus is there 
when she's playing basketball, when she on her way to school. Jesus is there when she gets a bad grade on her test. He's there when her little brother's annoying her. Um, he's he, he's there throughout the whole entire process. And I wanted to make it make it um, realistic because that that's what's really happening. And he's there cheering her on. He's there giving her a hug. He's there on the stormy days with an umbrella. He's he's there covering her because uh, he loves her and he loves us. And I wanted people to know that he loves us in the everyday workings of our lives. Um, and and that's important for kids to understand that and for my own kids to understand that. So that was the purpose, the reason why I wrote it. Um, so that's available on Amazon as well. And then I wrote a book called Smarty Charlie, um, which was a book. It's not faith focused. It's more so about having grit and resilience. And, um, you know, uh, as a kid myself, I always I had felt that certain kids were just smart. Um, they were born smart. They were innately and naturally just given to smart things and driven that way. And I, it wasn't in my my genotype. It wasn't in my DNA to be that way. But um, this book kind of shows a kid who's called Smarty Charlie, not because he's just has the title of being smart, but because he puts certain study habits in practice. And um, so as he's getting ready to study for a test, he's put on, he puts on a cape, you know, he gets his pencil sharpened. He's, you know, he's, he's rehearsing and practicing for the exam and he becomes a superhero. And, and that's um, where he gets his superpowers from, is from basically studying. And that's how he became a smart kid and making smart choices. Yeah. Very practical. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. And how many how many children do you have? I have three beautiful children. I have um, my eldest, my boy. He's he's Judah. He's ten years old. My my middle child. Her name is Zoe. She's seven. And my last child. Um, my wife is definitely hoping it's gonna be our last. <laughs> <laughs> her name is uh, Micah, and she's five years old. Wow. Yeah. And you spent 15 years facilitating family workshops and classes for parents within the non nonprofit sector and ministry in New York City. Right. So, um, you know, has my as my 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 vocation and what I do uh, outside of ministry, I do work with families and youth for for some years. And a part of my job was to go to different schools and do run parent workshops and giving them um, positive strategies on how to help their kids with preparing for school or having a healthy self-esteem. So I would do workshops all throughout New York City, carry my bag with me, give out um, all these PowerPoint decks and, and just um, really facilitate really good conversations with parents who were, who were struggling at times with some, some things and, and how to rear their child and um, how to ha maintain a positive outlook on life uh, for them and their, and their kids. So I did that. And also with my church, um, I would do parenting classes, and I've done that as well, facilitate them with my wife, um, and they've been great. Like you know, we we've um, we're we're not a young church, but we have a lot of young people in our church. So it was we all got married together at the same time, <laughs> and we all had kids together around the same time. And I'm a little bit older than the rest, so I, I was further along. So I had my son before a lot of other a lot of other parents did had their kids. So I learned and I tried to kind of pass on what I learned and I started to grow and they really appreciate just to sit down and say, Hey, how do I handle responsibilities at home? How do I handle work, ministry, you know, home life? 
how do I be, how can I be a good father and a good husband at the same time? So all these questions would pop up and we just kind of read books together and just had good conversations. And we all learned from each other, actually, which was great. It was awesome. So you began working in working with families before you had your children or was that after? It was after. Okay. <laughs> uh, definitely okay. not before. Yeah. I was going to say, what led you into working with families before you had children? Okay, and that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah so- my my job was uh, what in my job that was a part of my my role and was to go out there and facilitate parent workshops. But when it came to like doing it for ministry, I did that after I had kids. So yeah, that's okay, how okay. it worked out. Yeah. And do you have any encouragement for our listeners looking to join this field of ministry? Uh, yeah, I think. Um, I think parenting really matters, um, and I couldn't say it's, it seems so simplistic, and but it, it it's it's a ripple effect. It affects everything. Um, good parenting affects good homes, affects good good lives for kids and into adulthood. Um, and I think that I want to just encourage your listeners is to just do it with intention. Um, I was just being a parent and and not doing it with any type of um, guidance or any type of direction, and I didn't have any intention in place. It was like, hey, I just have kids. I play with them sometimes, and I help them with their homework. But the, biblically, there are there are instructions. There are diff- definite ways in how you can purpose your kid. The Bible says, you know, to train up your child in the way they should go. So you should know where they're going and train them up in that. That's that's very intentional type of. Parent. And then I think we can't take that lightly. The Bible says that. That children like arrows in the, in the hand of a warrior and has a warrior when you have an arrow you have a target in place and you're aiming and you're firing that the arrow to hit that target that's it with intention so when you have kids you have to parent them with intention aiming them targeting them giving them purpose speaking life to them encouraging them building them up loving them the way god loves us um has his kids it's so important that we do that, and we can't be lax and nonchalant and cavalier about the awesome and sacred responsibility of parenting. You know, the Bible says that God gave us children as gifts, um, and you know, when you have a gift, you're excited to receive that gift, and uh, God doesn't take that gift lightly. You know, and we have an awesome responsibility, and He's helping us, He's He's aiding us, He's assisting us, and He's graced us to do this. So um, I wanted to give parents uh, encouragement, um, no matter what your parenting style may be, you know, I still think that there, it is a joyous road. And the intention of having kids is not for you to endure life, but to enjoy life, to add more joy to your life. Yeah. Yeah. I do have, okay, so I did not, <laughs> this is interesting. So I've had a conversation with someone before about birth control and protection inside of a marriage. Okay. And so this might be a crazy question. Maybe you've never been asked this before, but I've been asked this question before. So you're saying that children are a, are a blessing, you know, and they, they fill the household and all those different things. Would you say that using birth control and protection inside of a marriage is not trusting God? Or would you say like, what is your view on that? That's interesting. I know. Um, You know, the Bible talks about your quiver being full of them. A man is blessed. You know, yes, yeah, that's what made me think of it. Yeah. So, and I get that, and but I do think um, 
it's within your bandwidth, your capacity, you know, um, that you can receive it. And I think that has a, has a parent, you know what your capacity is. Um, I'm just saying whatever number of kids you have in front of you is to enjoy them and to, and to and yes. be elated about having kids, um, whether they're yours biologically, whether you're the guardian over them, that is important. Um, the number is not as important. It's about what, whether or not you have the you have the capacity, you have these kids. Now that you have them, our responsibility to God and to them is to love them with intention. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great answer. <laughs> yeah, that's I've been asked that question before. I'm like, you know what? I don't really know. Like, I'm 22 years old. <laughs> I'm not married. I don't have children. Right. I right. Know. I totally get it. So yeah, thank you for. Yeah. Um, my next question for you is. Um, what benefits do you see from working with children, working with families? Um, the benefits, you know, I have I have young ones, you know, uh, I have a 10 year old, my oldest. But in working with and working with families and working with schools, um, I get to see parents who have who have teenagers, you know, um, and I get to talk to them about that process as well. So it helps. It helps me. It benefits me. And I, I, I'm very inquisitive. Like, I don't think I have all the answers. So I inquire since, hey, how do you manage, you know, having an 18-year-old? How do you manage dating? Like, I'm not in that process. I'm not in that season yet. Like, um, <laughs> but I know I'm about to enter into it very soon where my kids are asking about those kind of questions and asking about, um, you know, this girl likes me. What do I do? This guy likes me. So I, I'm very, I inquire. I, I'm, I'm hungry for knowledge. Um, there's, there's a passage in the Bible where um, the people are asking Jesus about um, uh, how to handle um, a marriage um, situation. And then Jesus responds and he says, have you not read? Right. And it's a very interesting response that Jesus gives when um, confronted with the issue of marriage and family. He says, have you not read? As if to say, you should have read this. You, have you not read about this important sacred institution of marriage? I'm expecting you to, and I think has has guardians of parents, and has if you're married, if you're ma- you should also also know what is expected of you um, biblically, and what's what what's God saying about this is so important. You need to read up and research what it is. So I I take that opportunity. I'm a sponge for it. So I'm around parents who are in a different season than I am. Like, what did you do? How did you save up for this? How do you prepare kids for you know into college life. And I want to know that. So I think that's what helps me working with families. Um, I gained that now, I gained that wisdom that I can use for myself and I can also use for others as well. Yeah. yeah I like that analogy being the sponge. Yeah, that's, that's great. And with working with families, what would you say is the biggest wound just dealing with children and how can we identify it and find healing from it? Um, you know, maybe like the most common, the or most something. common, yeah. I would say that I hear is uh, families not able to deal with disappointment well. You know, um, you have to manage your expectations when you have children, and um, and when you're if you're married as well, there are going to be some times where you know things are not going too well. The Bible says it. You know, it rains and it, and sun shines on the just and the unjust. So it's going to rain on you and it's going, the sun is going to shine on you one day. So there may be a little roller coaster in your life. But at the same time, like in my book, I talk about 
how God is your source of joy, like not your career, not your car, not your house, not your kids, not your husband. God is your joy. They add to your joy. You know, they are a resource, but God is your source. So always have that perspective that, you know, though things may not be looking right, I may be disappointed. My kids are not doing well in school like I want them to. My son isn't the basketball player I wanted him to be. No matter what it is, it's important that we stay in, in, in a place of peace and joy and love on them where they are. The Bible says that God uh, con, um, um, condescended his, con, con, condescend to men of lower state. So he goes down to whatever state or level you're in. And we have to do the same as our kids. You know what? I'm not, I'm not understanding everything that's going on, but I'm going to go down to your level and I'm going to love you where you are. And I think that's important not to just have all these grandiose expectations and if they're not met and then we get upset and angry at our family members, our loved ones, that's, that's not how we should operate. We should operate with grace, love, and kindness and um, understanding that things may not go your way, but we still have to love them and have that intention um, when it comes to a relationship with our family. Yeah, you you have worked a little bit with uh, with fatherless homes. Like your passion is trying to to bridge the gap between children who grow up without a father, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, I I did a little bit of research before we began this interview on verywellfamily.com, and I'm just gonna share some of those statistics with us. Um, more than fifty percent of children in the United States grow up in a split home with divorced parents. Fifty percent of those children will see the parents' second marriage fail. And one in ten of those children will see three or more parents parental marriage breakups, which is mind-blowing, which causes physical effects, emotional, educational, and the list goes on right. of what how that affects. Fatherless homes, forty percent of children in America are growing up in a fatherless home. Forty percent of those children have not seen their biological father in the last twelve months. More than half of them have never even been inside of his home. And twenty-six percent of those fathers live in a different state. And when I read that, like I'm not as shocked as maybe I should be because I mean, we kind of see that. And I myself have grown up in that as well. But wow. those are horribly, horribly horrific statistics, you know? Right. And, and so what can we do? What 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 are the steps we need to take to see that change? Maybe, maybe just in our own lives, in our families' lives, in our generational going forward, what can we do to change that? Um, I think – like I think three things um, that we can do about that. Um, number one is to be there for those who are not able or who do not have fathers that are there present in the home. And even sometimes you have fathers who are who are physically present, but they're not mentally or emotionally present in the home. Yeah, that's true. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see that statistic. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. That happens as well. But I think it's important that we, 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 we try to maintain healthy relationship with family members who can add to that so kids don't feel as though they're being abandoned. No kid should feel that they're not being loved. That, that, that's so important. No kid should feel that they're not wanted. So I think it's important that, number one, that we make sure that the kids know they are here and that we want them to be here and that we, we're loving them, the fact that they are here. Number two, I would say is... We need to recognize those fathers who are doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think quite often we, we, we do 
um, share these statistics, which are important to share because that's the that's the data we need to kind of work off of. But I think um, it, it does paint it is a broad a brush with some of our fathers who are there, who are focusing on helping their kids, who who are present physically, emotionally, and mentally and spiritually. And they need to be lifted up and recognized because they may feel like, hey, I'm doing all this, but no one ever sees it. No one ever assists me. No one ever supports me. And they need to get that kind of support uh, as well. So I think recognizing the good that's in the land, the good that um, that's being done, is important because that's God doing the good. And we need to recognize and be thankful for that. Um, yeah, I think I was – yeah, that's a good point. I think I was looking at it with like a half-glass-empty type of mentality. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. right. And the last thing I would say is to, to, to it's important for us to speak what we want to see. And, um, you know, I think, you know, that's very, very important to speak prophetically what's, what should happen in the land. Like the Bible talks about how the hearts of the fathers will return back to the children. And that's important to speak what's going to happen and what's what our expectation. Because we need to see things as God sees things. God is in here and now. He sees the end from the beginning. I talk about that from my, in my book as well. That we see that fathers are returning back, fathers are loving their children, having a heart for them. And we're speaking that into the atmosphere because words shift environments and atmospheres. And it does dictate the, the, the direction of the new generation. I think that we need to use our words to shift it in the right manner, in the right way. Because sometimes I would say, because um, in that data, I've seen data as well where it says that, you know, fathers are not there physically, but a lot of times... There, there are fathers who may not be, they may be single and they may not be married, but the father is taking his responsibility and visiting the child and, and is there and he's very present. And it's important to, to acknowledge that and to also speak that into the atmosphere that this is what's happening. Like when I'm, like the fathers that are around me are very present. You know, when I'm around, if I'm, if I'm dropping my kids off to school, all I see are fathers. You know, I see fathers in PTA meetings. I see fathers in, at, at workshops. I see fathers at PTA presidents. And we can start saying that and speaking that into the atmosphere rather than working off of the negative um, of what's not being done. Because we need to highlight what God is doing at all times. And God is always doing something. Wow. And that leads me into my next, my next, my next question is um, the father's role in the home. And I think you're talking about affirming the fathers that are doing the right thing. And so I'm just going to touch on that. Like I think my just being a young man, not a father, it's the father's job to affirm his children. What other roles does the father have in the household to lead? What else would you say? I would say it's important, as I said earlier, that you give your kids purpose and with intention because you're, they're arrows in your hands. So their trajectory is based on what you do and, and how far they go. So I would say it's important that you give your kids their identity in Christ and who they are. You affirm who they are, but also give them a target and what they're supposed to do. And, and that's, that takes you to pray about it as well and their destiny and their purpose, but also uh, leading them and directing them and, and, and really supporting them in that, in that journey and where they should go. Um, whether it be ministry, whether it be, you know, being entrepreneurs, whether it be being a, a classroom teacher, but helping them to get there. That's why I think as a father, as a visionary for the home, you should see what's about to happen. You should see where your kids are supposed to be going 
And if if not now, they start really believing God that, you know what, Lord, I want to know what my kids are going to be. I want to know how I can set them up to get there. What, what, what can my role be to kind of push them into that arena uh, where that's their grace, that's their purpose, and that's their destiny? That's, a, that's one thing. But I also feel that as fathers, we're gatekeepers, gatekeepers of our kids' hearts, their emotions, and we're also gatekeepers for any type of uh, uh, demonic attack, and we're there to shield it from that. So I think you have to make sure, and I told my kids this, as well. I says, you know, you may not appreciate what I'm doing right now, but I'm doing it to protect you. I'm protecting your eye gate. I'm protecting your ear gate right now because I know where that leads. And at the end of the day, I'm protecting your heart. And that's how things get into your heart, through your eyes and through your ears. So I want to make sure you're hearing the right thing, you're seeing the right thing, so your heart will remain pure toward God. So that's another thing is to be that gatekeeper, that shepherd for the family. Wow. That's, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, And my last question for you is just advice for fathers listening, um, how to be the man that God has called him to be, to lead the home, to affirm their children, to discipline their children. And also on on the other side of that, the young men who are preparing, who may be single or in a dating relationship, how to prepare for fatherhood in the future. Like what can they begin to do now to be ready? Right. Thank you. Uh, That's a very good question. And I think that um, has what Jesus said, have you not read? And I, and I think it's so important, you know, when it comes to marriage and parenting, those are the two most important roles you'll ever have, you know? Um, and, I, and I think before there was a church, before there were apostles and prophets and evangelists, there were families. There were father, mother, kids, husband and wife. That was the first intent. That's the first institution that God created. And I think you have to, number one, know what you're supposed to do, know what you're designed to do as a husband. If you're a husband, you're going to be a husband. If you're, if you're going to be a wife, if you're going to be a father, I would say, you know, do your, do your research biblically. I was counseling a couple one time and, um, and they were like, oh, you know, he doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. And it was a constant back and forth. And I said, can you show me one scripture that you can stand on that shows what you're doing is right. And they're like, I, uh, I don't know. I just know that I'm doing what's right. I said, it's important that you know what your role is as a husband or as a wife, biblically, first and foremost. And once you really embrace that, okay, I'm, I'm, I am a wife. My job is to, you know, to, to love my husband. My job is to, you know, serve and my job is to honor him. As the husband, my job is to honor you and, and to know really and fully embrace that. Then you can really function well as a family, but you don't even know what your role is. It's hard to to function as a as a healthy family. It's the same as if you have you play basketball. If you don't know that you're the point guard, you don't know that you're the center, you know that you're the forward, you're just gonna be running into each other and you can't really play a game that way. And yeah. I think that's how life is. If you don't know what your role is as a father or as a husband based on what the word of God says, then you're going to be running around like a chicken without his head and your whole family will be just littered with chaos. So everyone has to kind of play their position and know what it is based on what God's word says. Because if you can stand on God's word, you can stand on anything. And if He if you say, hey, I'm standing on what you said, God can back you up. But if you're standing on your own opinions, your own experiences, what your broken heart has told you, 
what, what, what broken families have told, have told you, what your friend has said. If you're standing on what they're saying, you're standing on quicksand, and God can't support, can't assist, and can't step into that situation if you do it that way. So first and foremost, I would always say is if you're stepping into this, really go into it trying to understand what it means to be a husband. Ask fathers, you know, ask fathers who are doing it well. Ask fathers who are who 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 are who have healthy families. Ask and read more and do and do more research in it. I'm telling you, it will help. I know people say, hey, you know, reading books doesn't help everyone. You don't know. Um, there'll be situations they can't even answer for you. But I think it's you have to study and show yourself approved. You you have to be a person who um, knows what they're about to step into before they step into it. Before you drive a car, there are like five hour classes. There are there are there are road tests you have to take to get a license. To get a marriage license, there's nothing. You just have to wow. show up. That's and true. Have, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and what's more important is really really knowing what it means to be in a marriage institution. That that's what really affects society. And we have no 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 in vigor or no no want or desire quite oftentimes that's what I'm seeing of us doing that research and understanding what this commitment, what this covenant means and what it means to have a child. Yeah. Well thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. It's been a pleasure to have you. I love doing podcast interviews. Uh, right. Just because I, I learned so much myself and I get to ask the questions. And so I get to ask questions I want to know, you know, so it's it's amazing and and I love it. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Dallas. I really do appreciate it. Um, I love this topic of marriage and family. I um, I wrote a book on it, so it's, it's very <laughs> important to me. Um, and I'm so thankful and honored that you have me here on your show just discussing yeah. and, and facilitating conversations about marriage and family mm -hmm. yeah so if how can our listeners find you you said that you have a book check that out online how can they how can they find you okay so um if you want to purchase any of the books they're on amazon so you can go amazon there they're on you can get a printed copy you can get um electronic copy on amazon and that's the happy parent and jesus my friend and last is smarty charlie and um, you can just do the search and also search my name, Jacques Noisette. Um, I have, for my social media, I have on um, my Facebook, The Happy Parent. So you could be added to that as well, just to keep abreast of what's going on. Um, any kind of speaking games I may have or any kind of um, events that I may be um, I'm involved in. I also have an Instagram, which is my, my, my full name, Jacques Noisette. So you can, you can add yourself to that as well. And just see the journey and, and, and what's going on, what God is doing in our ministry, in our lives. Yeah, I'm going to put the links of those books in the in the, the bio so you guys can click on that as well. Awesome. And yeah, once again, thanks for being a part of the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dallas. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And I would just ask if you could pray us out to end the podcast. Absolutely. Father God, we just thank you. We are honored by your presence. We are thankful, Lord God, that you have established us, that you have given us purpose and identity. We thank you, Lord God, for the marriage institution, that you set it from for, in course from the beginning. I thank you that you are working and moving in our lives. I thank you for every audience member listening to this podcast. They're being blessed. They're given strategies, and their families are getting better and more fruitful, more healthy. 
by your word and by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.